It's finally time for another Champions League episode after three months of no Champions League. No Alexia Puteas on the Champions League stage. No. Well, I was going to say no Chelsea, but Chelsea aren't going to come back anyway, so um, that's irrelevant. Um, I'm your host. Is Alexia Puteas that different when she's not on the Champions League stage? Well, the kit is different, so technically, yes. <laughs> Obviously, like Barcelona have that, that Champions League kit. So technically it is different. I was going to say something really inappropriate, but I'm going to hold myself back. <laughs> uh, I'm your host, Alexi Maceta, and I'm with Abdul Abdullah and Jesse Parker Humphreys. How are you two? Yeah, good, thanks. <laughs> Absolutely fantastic. This is the third podcast I've recorded with Alex in the past 24 hours, so... <laughs> We're somehow still, still friends for now. <laughs> we, we talked about it, how... Our friendship has been like tested so far and like we've survived, but then come the end of the season in the title race, I think that's going to be, we're going to see it. We should enjoy it while it lasts. And, and I, and I go on. No, you go on first and I'll come back to it. (laughs) I was going to say Chelsea aren't in the champions league, so we can't fight about that. (laughs) Jesse has to pick a third champions, a champions league team, right? We were having discussion yesterday. Jesse, I was thinking, I was thinking we should put it up, up to a vote. Maybe we could right. um, box the box voting goes out there. All right, Alex. Okay, gonna... who, are, who are you two? You're in between what PSG and Bayern? Yeah, PSG, Bayern. The, I'll tell you what the real answer is. I'll tell. Don't tell anyone else this, but the team I will probably be supporting is Arsenal. But I can't admit that to anyone because that would be embarrassing. But I have always had a soft spot for Arsenal. My family are Arsenal fans, and I probably will. I'll make you feel better about that. It was um, so Katie McCabe actually grew up supporting Chelsea. No, that's so yeah. funny. Okay, I will return the favor to Katie McCabe and um, so I'll you can support Arsenal. Go on his own YouTube. She exposes it there, and she was she she said it, and she's like, I think this is the first time that I say this publicly. <laughs> so there's that. So you don't have to feel too bad about yourself now. There's that, but yeah reminiscing about the past and i got these two to admit that i was the one that brought them together so i will take i will take credit for what you guys are listening to right now the the energy the emotion it was i i am the conductor oh. abdullah is the reason for this chaotic I am the energy. reason I'll, I'll take my i'll take my paychecks in the mail thank you very much <laughs> yeah i'll anyway. send you some hair abdullah thank you uh, but getting back to the football, uh, in this episode, we'll be mainly focusing on previewing the Champions League quarterfinals. We'll talk briefly about the group stages, but obviously that happened three months ago. But if you are interested and haven't listened to that episode yet, we did have an in-depth analysis on the group stages. That's called Shit and Giggles of the Champions League group stages, because obviously Chelsea had the shits after losing that last group stage match. Thanks for the great. reminder. <laughs> You're welcome. Uh, you'll get a few of those throughout the episode so just be ready that was released on december 23rd freshly recorded after the group stages so they'll have a lot more uh, in-depth analysis if you want to go listen to that but the last eight teams in the champions league are and this is an order of alphabetical order before i get shit that i put arsenal and barcelona in the first two <laughs> um, so it's arsenal barcelona bayern munich juventus leon psg real madrid and wolfsburg uh no chelsea in there obviously <laughs> and here's a quick refresher of the group stages Chelsea got knocked out 
uh, in case no one knew that already. This is going to um, be a long episode. I can tell already. Oh, it is. I'm ready for it. Um, but summing, kind of a quick summary of the group stages. Uh, Chelsea beat Juventus once and drew against both Juventus and Wolfsburg. And then when needed just to draw against Wolfsburg in the last match of the group stages, the Germans instead won 4-0 to knock out last year's finalist. And we said it from the beginning of the group stages, this was probably going to be the toughest group out of all of them. And it did prove that. And Chelsea, unfortunately, were the ones to get knocked out out of the three. Um, And everywhere else, it was kind of straightforward in terms of who we predicted was going to go through. But of course, Arsenal did not make it easy on themselves and they scraped through. Uh, into the quarterfinals, even though they lost three matches in the group stage, uh, twice against Barcelona and one against Hoffenheim. And of course, Hoffenheim almost kicked out Arsenal in the, in the last match of the group stages they needed. I believe it was a four goal difference and four or five goal difference. And they managed just one less than that. So it wasn't it wasn't easy. Arsenal didn't make it easy on themselves, to say the least. And Lyon are not invincible anymore. So that's kind of a big thing. They obviously lost to Bayern Munich in group stages with Saki Kumagai, ironically, having the winning goal against them. Um, but they still managed to come out on top because Bayern dropped points to Benfica at the start of the group stages. And then, of course, PSG Real Madrid, uh, I think the most straightforward group stages and they progressed comfortably overall. But Jesse, a lot of time has passed since the group stages, three months to reflect. Just This is the only Chelsea question for you, so don't worry about it. <laughs> Um, do you think being knocked out of the Champions League has actually benefited Chelsea to focus on the title race? Uh, Lindsay Hooper actually asked uh, Jonas Eidevald this before Sky Sports and he gave like such a classic like sarky, snarky answer about like, I'm sure Chelsea preferred to be in the position we were in, blah, 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 blah. I don't really think it's, well... Obviously now it is kind of a direct benefit. Chelsea have less games to play, but I think in terms of like the season as a whole, it hasn't been great. And I think it's kind of contributed to Chelsea's general like up and down because, you know, it was a shock to go out. I think even though that group was like tricky, we'd all kind of be rewriting history if, you know, we thought Chelsea would be the ones the ones to drop out of it. Um, although it is funny, you know, talking about Arsenal losing like three games and still going through, you're like, Huh? How did that happen? We only lost one. <laughs> um, but, you know, that's the way these things go ultimately. And I think it, it was good in some ways, maybe for Chelsea to kind of have that wake up call as to like how big the gap maybe is like between them and, and some of the, the top European teams. And I wonder if we will see a bit more of that in this quarterfinals. Um, but yeah, onwards and upwards, there's always next year. That, that, that's the thing that losers say. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing that. Looking back at the end of the group stages, you know, to where teams were in December compared to where they are now, you know, some January transfer windows, just ups and downs of teams in general. Do you think we're going to see a completely new competition in the knockout stages? I think to some extent, yes. I think teams have improved, or they, or they've, or, you know, or or they've digressed, and it just all just all comes down to form. I think you know, I think some teams, obviously, some matchups are going to be pretty much the same. I think we know that Barcelona versus Real Madrid is going to be pretty straightforward, as harsh as that is to say, and it's probably the truth there. 
But I think Arsenal versus Wolfsburg would be a lot closer than I thought it would be probably like a couple of months ago. And uh, I think I think Leon have I think Leon have improved since what they were in, in the group stage. So I think that'll be a better uh, a better tie, especially because now they've got a couple of new players in as well, a couple of comebacks so that improves them overall. So I don't expect it to be hugely different, but it'll be different enough to make every single tie pretty much every single tie interesting enough for us to be able to to enjoy and see some really good high quality football form is has been completely different obviously arsenal were kind of in that slump in december whereas now they're uh, thriving a bit better hopefully famous last words um but obviously a lot of good clashes in this which match are you guys looking forward to the most jesse I think for me, it's probably Bayern PSG just because I feel like it feels like the most even and high level fixture. Um, I think Arsenal Wolfsburg will be fun, but I feel like that could more be like chaos fun than like quality football fun. But then I am also looking forward to, to going to the new camp to watch Barcelona, who will already be through probably by that point, play Real Madrid. Um, that'll be fun. Sorry, I gave you five. So, <laughs> so all of it, basically. All of it, yeah. This is what you get if Chelsea, if Chelsea were, and I would have just said the Chelsea game. But instead, now I will just enjoy the whole thing. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, what match? What match or matches are you looking forward to? I think for me, it's it's Leon versus Juventus. I think Juventus surprised most people in the group stages with the way they played. Uh, you know the, the the results that they. I mean, maybe the results were the results were uh, were, were good, but um, just the way they played against Chelsea in that group stage, and you know they've I think really improved under Joe Montemurro this season, and they really feel like a high quality side now that can compete against a Wolfsburg and Arsenal, uh, Leon and and, and etc. So I think for me it's that game, and then I, uh, as well I agree with with Bayern PSG. I think for me those are the most intriguing ties, mainly because I feel like tactically it's going to be very very close um and it'll be interesting to see how that how that comes through because honestly leon versus juventus i obviously I'm, i think leon you know we'll get into it later but i honestly juve could spring a surprise like that is hard and painful me for me to say but there is a chance that they could do something just because of how well and the, the quality of players that they have so for me that's a very very my probably my favorite tie so far yeah we'll get into it later but i do agree i think i'm pretty sure last year juventus leon played and it was it was Friendly, a lot tighter yeah. than you expected. Yeah, it was yeah. really tight. And they won 3 2. It was like they were 2 2, and suddenly, like, Leon had to come back. Yeah. It was, it was kind of, if I remember correctly, we were tweeting that this is the first time that Leon have been behind an XYZ amount of time. Yeah. yeah. Um, but we'll, we'll get into kind of match by match maces. And of course, when I say match by match, I just mean like clashes because it's obviously you played over two legs. But Bayern are currently top of the Bundesliga. Uh, but Wolfsburg are just two points behind with the game in hand. So take that as you will. And PSG are in second, three points behind Lyon. Um, they get to play each other at the end of the season. So that's going to be a big one to look forward to. But focusing on Bayern versus PSG, Jesse, this is a tight race, as we keep saying, for many, many different reasons. But who do you think will benefit more from these quarterfinals being played over two legs? I think PSG might benefit slightly more just because looking at the fixtures... Bayern have like quite a tricky game against Eintracht um, the Friday before. And I feel like, I feel like they will be more aware, like the Frauen Bundesliga at the moment is, it is obviously like Wolfsburg and Bayern, but there is kind of a pack of like three teams sitting below that, of which Eintracht are one, uh, Hoffenheim are another. 
um, who might still feel like they could like put some threat on on those top things and they've got a lot to play for in terms of the Champions League. Whereas PSG, I feel like they've kind of got nicer fixtures around this. Plus, I wonder if they just feel like that Lyon game will be everything when it comes to comes to the league. So um, I think it will probably suit PSG more. But, you know, as I said before, I do think this one is like potentially the most intriguing matchup because they feel like very similar teams in that, you know, they've got like these kind of young, exciting attacking players. Then maybe like defensively, neither side is like quite as good as like the very, very best um, in, in terms of defense. Um, and I think it could be like quite, quite tasty, but I think they're, they're also like two very organized teams in that sense. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this one. Abdullah, obviously we keep talking about how, tactically tasty this match is how do you see these teams matching up tactically oh i think i think it'll be good i think psg obviously have a lot of a lot of decent quality uh kind of across the pitch you know obviously the the famed front three is, is speaks for itself so you know that, that those three versus bayern's defense is going to be a very intriguing matchup and i'm keen to see how uh bayern look to kind of stop those three you know um because it's 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 literally all three of them are, are going to be difficult. So you're going to have to have Hannah Glass and, and, and whoever else is going to be picked in that back four to, to really have to pick them up. And I think the defensive midfielder is again going to be a key, key player. So just looking at the, the front three versus defense is going to be a big one. But I even think that the midfield matchup is 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 going to be um is going to be interesting because when you got Giro, Davritz, you know, they they are quality, quality players. And when they have to come up against a uh, for example, a, a Alina Magul and and and, uh, and and the like. It's it's tight. I mean, because there's that's two quality midfields that you can probably, you know, you could probably pick either one, and anything can happen. Because I mean, Kumagai, Lina Magul, and literally insert third midfielder, whoever you want to pick there, whether it's a Sydney Lawman, I know she's injured and she's coming back, Sarah Zadrazil, you know, you pick those three, Zadrazil, Kumagai and Magul versus Diallo, Gioro and Tabritz. I mean, that's anybody's game. That's that's some high quality football. So um, that midfield battle is going to be good. So I think all over the pitch, I think to some extent, they are matched in one department or the other and one maybe has a slight advantage of the other. So it really is going to come down to who gets the tactics right, who takes up those small spaces and and kind of identifies the the weaknesses. You know, I think the, probably the first game will be maybe a little, little bit cagier than the second because the first one will be figuring out how they play. And then the second one, when they know how they play, maybe then we'll see some more uh, free-flowing football because anyway, one team will have to chase the game uh, regardless of what happens. And looking at the attack on both sides, obviously Bayern Munich have... Lea Schuller, you know, Carabool. But PSG have the notable and box box favorite of Katoto, Baltimore, and Diani. Jesse, how do you see Bayern handling this French attack? Yeah, I feel like this could be could be a tough one for Bayern, to be honest. Um they have quite an old defense. Um, and I do worry for them a bit because there's a lot of speed in in that PSG attack, um, which I feel like PSG like have, have shown on multiple occasions that that they can exploit very well. You know, they kind of took Leon apart in that Coupe de France game um a couple of months, weeks, months ago. Um, so I feel like Bayern will need to really, really focus on and on how they shut those those players down. And I think the worry for Bayern will be is if you have to, you know, really 
spend a lot of time thinking about that, that you won't necessarily give their attacking players the kind of opportunities um, that that they need. I mean, like, I guess it, I was kind of thinking about the Germany-Spain game that we saw at the Arnold Clark Cup. Obviously, like, the, the players that Germany had in defence are quite different to the Bayern ones, but the, but the attacking players are quite similar. Um, but it was interesting because on the one hand, you saw how much they struggled when they were dealing like defensively to get any service up to Schuller. But then as soon as she got one opportunity, she took it. So that's what Bayern will feel like they have, that, that if they can soak up the pressure, that they have like the kind of quality attacking player who who only needs kind of one moment. Um, and I think they'll feel that across like both legs, they they will get like a couple of those. Um, but yeah, it's, they're a, they're a terrifying trio to to play against, definitely. I do not want to be in a foot race with either, like none of them. I would just kind of give up and let them kind of just do a hand motion, just be like, here's your red carpet, go ahead. I'm not going to try. Uh, Abdullah, where do you think Byron can get the most out of these matches? It's going to have to be against PSG's defense. Uh, probably That's probably going to be the, their weakest spot, though they have one of the world's best fullbacks in Ashley Lawrence. And then Paulina Dudek, I think, has really stepped up since Irene Paredes has left to Barcelona. Um, I think that's been probably one of their uh, highlights. They need, they needed that leader to step up, and and, and Dudek has kind of done that in uh, Paredes' his, his absence. So, I but I but I still I still think that the other two, I think at left back, Sarkina, uh, Sakina Karchawi is, is good going forward, but I think she's a little suspect going, you know, back uh, defensively. And then the Almeida is, is not the best. I mean, she's good, but she's not. I know what you're going to say, Jesse, you can come in in a second, but uh, <laughs> it's, it's probably going to be another. I think this half this PSG squad is going to become a box to box favorite in some way, shape or form. <laughs> but, uh, um, you mean being cute and gay isn't a tactic? What? I've been doing it wrong this whole time. <laughs> it's working out for, for both of you, so I'll, I'll give you that much. Um, you know, I think I think in terms of the quality of the Champions League, the Almeida isn't as good as you know, obviously Irene Paredes. So I think that it's going to be where that left back and that and that one centre back position with Leah Schuller, Schuller and and Lynette Bernstein and the and the like will have to target them and kind of use the spaces in around them. So I think that'll be uh, that'll probably be where. Bayern can get the most out of this game. It's going to be interesting to see attack versus defense defense in terms of the quality because you know we said it you know their defensive line is arguably their weakest link at the moment whereas their attacking power is outstanding it just outpowers their entire defense and the midfield is quite even so it's it's going to be an even match and I think it is going to be really down to getting the tactics right and utilizing your players to the biggest strengths possible. But it is going to be interesting to see how it handles over two legs. Um, I think I do agree with Jesse that PSG might just take advantage of it a bit more because I think PSG kind of have a bigger mentality. And I think they're more okay with kind of not parking the bus, but just riding out a result, uh, whereas Bayern might just want the win um, for whatever it takes. Yeah, and I think... If we're going by the rumors, then if half the PSG squad is leaving at the end of the summer, this is going to be their one big chance to, to get as far as they can and try and win the Champions League. So I think for, for PSG, it's going to be all right. if Katoto, Baltimore, Diani, or whoever else is rumored to leave, then they're going to need to have to you know really push it. And that probably is motivation enough for PSG as a whole to kind of try and go forward. And even with the players who'd left already, um, they've looked good, like still. So I think, you know, and then all the off-field stuff, obviously with the weird shit that went on, 
like I think it says a lot about a team that they they've like managed to kind of maintain their league position. I'm, I I know they drew at the weekend, but then so did Leon. Um, to knock Leon out the Coupe de France, like all of that. I think it says a lot about that they're they're they feel like an organized team still. Yeah, the organization is is quite big. Um, and last season, of course, they got knocked out by Barcelona after beating Leon. Um, so a bit up and down for them in the Champions League. But we'll move on to Barcelona versus Real Madrid. Um, Barcelona just won the league. We do have to mention that. I think that's a big headline there. Uh, Primera Vidrola, champions with six fixtures left in the season. The season ends in May and we're still in March. Um, 24 matches played, 24 matches won, 136 goals for and just six against. I, that's stupid um and they won a league at home beating real madrid 5-0 so to, for context the match before this that they played in the supercopa semi-final barcelona won 1-0 with a really late alexia putellas goal so it's not like barcelona are usually stepping like rolling over real madrid 5-0 every time they play it has been really close and that real madrid loss one against Barcelona was actually a lot closer than you would expect it to be. I think they're the team that's gotten closest to kind of figuring out how to withstand Barcelona's attack over 90, obviously not this Sunday, but overall, I think they've progressed the fastest in terms of figuring out what to do and how to withstand and being okay with kind of parking the bus and knowing that, I don't know, it, it, it makes sense in my head, but basically they're just, they're the best team at the moment that have the capacity and have understood Barcelona the best I've thought even Atletico Madrid you know it's fine but like Atletico Madrid at the moment haven't figured out Barcelona at their best a few years ago Atletico Madrid will be beating Barcelona and they have you know on the last couple of years but I don't think they've they've nearly figured it out as fast as Real Madrid have um but Real Madrid are currently fifth in the league uh five points off a Champions League spot at the moment but, but with two games in hand so it's still likely they'll they'll be in the Champions League once again next year and before clashing with Barcelona this Sunday they were on a seven game winning streak in the league so despite a heavy loss to Barcelona they still have been quite consistent in the league and they've still impressed um obviously Aslani being back in the squad has boosted that a lot um, Caroline Muller is also has really impressed me. But Jesse, do you think there's any chance for Real Madrid to get anything out of these two matches? Well, I selfishly want it, it to be in the balance by the time I go and watch Barcelona Real Madrid for the second leg. But I wonder if it won't be. I feel like I was tricked. I didn't realize I was going to the second leg. Um, but hey, hey. I feel like, yeah, I think it makes sense that you're saying, Alex, that, you know, Real Madrid have kind of got the closest to figuring Barcelona out, um, you know, because they play each other the most, I guess. Um, but I just feel like with this Barcelona team, we obviously talk a lot about them, like, being really good all the time, which they are. But I think what is also really scary is that it feels like they still have, like, different like levels of being really good all the time. And there are like games where you feel like, okay, you're kind of just playing on like cruise control. And then there are games where they like go up another level. And then there are games where they go up another level. And I just think like the Champions League will will kind of represent that for them. And I think Real Madrid's problem as well is as much as we can say Real Madrid know how to like stop Barcelona, like Barcelona will also have a really good idea of how to beat Real Madrid. Whereas I think, you know, when we look at that kind of those PSG two games, which feel like the blueprint of how like maybe a team could beat this current Barcelona, I felt like the 
it became closer because Barcelona were facing challenges that they weren't used to. Like, for example, like dealing with Ashley Lawrence or something like that. So I just don't see where Real Madrid are going to pull out their own kind of trick. And again, once you're looking at playing over 180 minutes, okay, you can try and like park the bus, but like... I don't know when the last time anyone played Barcelona over 180 minutes and stopped them scoring was. That just seems like incredibly, incredibly unlikely to me. So sorry, Real Madrid. I don't think it's going to happen for you. Sorry, Real Madrid fans. Um, Abdullah, let's give uh, Real Madrid fans something good to look at, I guess. Um, but looking at Real Madrid, tactically, what do you think their strengths are? I'm, 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 I'm giving a moment for my man, Ohm, you know, the, the lone warrior, the lone Real Madrid warrior, just out there, just, just finding ways to clutch his straws for a win. But no, um, he's probably going to eat me alive for whatever answer I give. So I'm just going to go for it. <laughs> Ohm, I'm sorry in advance. Um, no, I think, I think, I think Real Madrid have some very, very good attacking players. I think some really good young Spanish attacking players. Um, Athenea is probably one of the standout players up there. You know, she's been, I mean, we saw her in the Arnold Clark Cup for, for Spain. She was absolutely electric and fantastic against, uh, against England. And, She's actually been doing really, really well for for Real Madrid. Then you've got, I think, Olga just behind her at left back is another good one. Obviously, Aslani is is a massive name that we all know and we know her quality, you know. And and then there's Mighty and then there's Casey Robles, the the Mexican fullback as well. So I mean, in in pockets and actually generally across the entire team, even Ivana Andres at centre back, you know, across the the full line of players, they don't actually have a bad team. They're they're they actually got a very good team that that probably could end up being consistently second best in the league. It's it, But it's tough to see where they do it. If anything, I would just have to say the two wingers up against the two Barcelona fullbacks, when there is space to go in behind, they just got to take some sort of advantage there because I don't see how they beat the two centre-backs. I don't see how they win the midfield battle. I think that's probably impossible for like the, the, one of the better sides in the, in the in the in the Champions League, let alone Real Madrid. And then the back line is 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 what it is. But yes, I think if anything, depending on who's playing, whether it's Leila Huabi or or Rolfo at left back, and and then probably um, you know Torrejon at at right back, these the two wingers are gonna have to try and be be patient, keep their composure, and try and take up any space and then around the fullbacks and, and go over there because I, I don't see how they can do it. But then although there is one one point, of, if they can get a good coordinated high press right, but not leaving too much space in behind, I think that's another way they can put pressure and just kind of close off passing lanes and kind of make a passing trap over there. Because I think I've seen a, the one of the one or two of the six goals that they did give away in the league. I, I remember, I don't remember exactly who it was. I think it might've been Atletico Madrid or, or Levante, but I could be wrong. They they think they pressed them. Re, it was Atletico Madrid. They pressed them high and they actually managed to get a, a shot that it went off the bar, but they were able to rattle Barcelona in that moment really high up the pitch when they, they lost organization. So, if anything, that would probably have to be the best places to to kind of you know get a get a goal against Barcelona. But it's a tough task for pretty much anyone. Yeah, the one thing that not bothered me just because it bothers you. It's easy to look at it and say that it's possible when you think about Barcelona's quality. You know that it has to be near perfect for it to actually work out. But what kind of intrigued me the most watching the Barcelona Real Madrid game on Sunday was that. Because Barcelona, when in possession, the defensive line is so high up, most of the time, Mapi will follow a player into the midfield and leaves that gap behind. And when you have, you know, Andrea Pereira is an amazing player, but she's not an Irene Paredes, she's not a Mapi Leon. So when Mapi would go up, 
she would leave that space in kind of behind and you have grandmother's wingers who have the pace definitely have the pace to get in behind into the space but and they didn't do that because whenever they would get the ball and I also think grandma did were actually quite good at getting the ball back from Barcelona um more than like better than most if not anyone so far that they has actually tried it but their direct passing wasn't enough to exploit the spaces that Barcelona were leaving behind because of players out of position and it's not obviously when you look at Barcelona you know they're out of position for a reason it's not like they're just a messy team but you look at that and you have to think that Real Madrid are capable of exploiting those spaces or even at most putting the ball more direct instead of trying to keep possession and kind of forcing a mistake from a Barcelona defense because it is possible and I think that's one of Barcelona's we've said it since last season you know Barcelona's defense is the weakest link. And of course, a week is not weak in Barcelona's standard, but it is still really possible to force a mistake from that Barcelona defense. And I think Real Madrid didn't really do that enough. I don't think Barcelona's defense were under any pressure at any given moment um, at the time. So I think that's kind of one big thing that I think Real Madrid need to kind of look at and hopefully do to make the tie more entertaining for Jesse in the second leg, at least. Do it for me, Real Madrid. (laughs) Basically. Uh, But Barcelona have a lot of star players, but Friedrich Adolfo, I think we have to talk about in particular, has come into the side and slotted in seamlessly. On top of that, in three different positions, left back, left wing, and striker. Um, Not many players can slot into a Barcelona side seamlessly much less in three positions and do them as if she's been doing that forever. But Jesse, how big of a player is Frido for Barcelona and how good of a player is she for being able to do that? Yeah, it feels like she's really like kind of hitting her stride now. I know it felt like maybe at first, like it was a bit of an odd start, like when she was kind of playing in that, those fullback positions. Um, but it feels like she's, she's taken to it really well now. And she's obviously an incredibly like talented and terrifying player to play against. But I think also like her success in that Barcelona side speaks a lot to like how they play as a team, where it's, it feels like it's a lot less about who those individuals are and their talent, although it helps that they are all very talented, but you know, it's not like Barcelona just found like in this like cave of all these like amazing players. Like they're they're really good by virtue of like the system that they play in and um, you know, the relationships they have with each other. And I think that's like part of the interesting thing, right? When you like look at it in the Spain context rather than the Barcelona context, you're like, why do these players, like, why is it not exactly the same? And it's kind of like, well, well, that's the point. It's not like these are just the best 10 players in the world. It's like the way they interact with each other. That's what like makes the difference. And I feel like it's like a testament to, to Rolfo, like her ability to, to slot in there says, I think a lot about her own footballing intelligence to be able to go and, and join this team and, and make an impact in such a quick way. And, you know, we have kind of seen players like maybe not adjust to that, like quite as well as Rolfo has. Um, so I think, you know, she's obviously been really important for them. I know there's like another thing coming up with injuries, but, you know, again, it has kind of been amazing, like how much they've carried on steamrolling everyone, even like where most teams would have been totally decimated by the stuff that they've, they've gone through. But yeah, I just think, you know, it, it's, it's a testament to, to that system, which again, you know, even like when we don't even talk about the fact that they change managers, like that's crazy. Like, because it's so ingrained, like within that team, like how they want to play. Um, and I think that's like, that's the terrifying thing. Cause you're like, well, where does it like, how does it ever stop? I don't know. Like, how does it ever stop? It doesn't. Well, I mean, eventually it will, but for now it's still at the peak. So let's just not talk about the end of that. 
Um, Abdullah, obviously injuries have been not great for Barcelona. Um, a lot of top players, including Lique Martins, Mariona, Irene Paredes, you know, Oshuala just came back recently. She's actually still out. Oshuala's out. And even like the youngsters, Yana Fernandez, uh, you know, she was getting a lot of minutes and she was actually doing quite well on the defense. Um, Catagol, the backup keeper, uh, Bruna Villamala, I think she was actually getting into a really good stride with Barcelona and tore ACL just like that. But how much does it say about this squad that they're still able to pull off a 5-0 win over Real Madrid with some key players missing as if nothing? It's crazy. I mean, it's 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 reminiscent of, of, of Leon a few years ago when they were dominating football. They could have a couple players out and they were still winning with insane numbers. And I think it also goes to show that... <laughs> Barcelona's strength and depth is is pretty is pretty good. It, it took four or five injuries for people to start even like raising the question of, ooh, is this is this a is this a chance for other teams to like the, the the question was raised after four or five injuries, which again shows to show the depth of of players that they have. I mean, you just look at the defenders, like you said, Jana and 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 Arena Paredes are out, but then you still got uh, Konogorsevic, who's probably a little bit underrated, I think, you know, uh, overall, it can kind of slot in into a couple, multiple positions can come in and then this Pereira and Marta Torreon can come inside if, if she needs to. So, you, you know, you've got options there. And um, and we haven't even talked about like Ingrid Engine, who's probably played not as much as she would hope for, but is another quality midfielder who can kind of just slot in whenever you need an extra midfielder. There. I mean, Alexia Patriaitana and Engine is probably the a quartet anybody would want to have in terms of depth and, and starting 11. So I think overall, I think the side is is unbelievable with the depth that they have and, and everything. But I think the biggest miss for them, regardless of who is there, Mariona has to be the biggest miss. I mean, she's the, that orchestrator, the conductor of the front line. I mean, I absolutely love the way she plays, you know, and 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 for me, she's she's so key to the to the running and the and the and kind of the link of Barcelona's midfield and attack that when she plays, they just they're on another level, they're on another dimension. So the fact that they were able to make have a five five nil win with all these injuries and, and to players like Alika Martins who gives you something direct. It's pretty un- it's pretty unbelievable, especially now with the standard of play, you know, play that has that has kind of come into women's football over the last uh, probably eighteen months. Yeah, I'd imagine. I mean, you look at it. You look at Chelsea. You look at Arsenal. You look how much injuries have actually impacted at some point the season. Um, you know, key players are out, and you see the drop off in quality. Whereas Barcelona, kind of just you, you don't like you you see a change in quality, but I don't think you see a drop off in quality, um, which is quite interesting. Even Leon this season, they've, they've suffered a few injuries and it has affected their form in the league. So it's, it's a testament to Barcelona even more so. Yeah, that that is really true. Uh, But looking at Arsenal versus Wolfsburg, um, arguably one of the closest matchups this quarterfinal set up in terms of kind of really being unable to decide as to what's going to happen by the end of it. Um, Arsenal are, of course, top of the WSL as of now. I'm putting that in there. I don't want to get too cocky. and Wolfsburg are second, but with a game in hand uh, where they can actually jump to the top of the table over Bayern Munich. So, you know, good positions for both of them. A better group stages for Wolfsburg than Arsenal. Um, but Jesse, Wolfsburg scored seven goals in two matches against Chelsea, um, whereas Arsenal have only managed three goals in three matches against Chelsea. Is this something that you think will be a big detail, which kind of can determine this clash or kind of determine the key advantages that Wolfsburg might have over Arsenal. 
I wouldn't read too much into the goals scored, mainly because like three of those Wolfsburg goals were in the Kings Meadow game, they were like Chelsea like rolled the ball to them for all three goals. So um it wasn't necessarily Wolfsburg scintillating attacking play. And the second leg, I guess, those four was a bit more, but even then there were like some pretty disastrous errors going on. I guess what it would you would say about this Wolfsburg side is they're very good finishers. You know, even though Chelsea kind of um, offered up those opportunities, you know, Vasmuth and Rod took them very, very well. And there are, you know, lots of players who wouldn't have scored from the positions they managed to score from. I think... The thing Arsenal maybe need to worry about more from the way Wolfsburg scored against Chelsea is that they played at points quite like Chelsea. They moved the ball very quickly up the pitch. They were like very good at exploiting space um, within the defence. And, you know, we've kind of seen Chelsea do that to Arsenal uh, in the FA Cup final in particular. Um, and Arsenal were kind of caught unawares by like the speed of which um, Chelsea were willing to move, the, the way they were willing to let Arsenal sit, you know, sit back and have the ball a bit more and then and then kind of come onto them when the opportunity was there. So, you know, I think, I think it'll be a really interesting one. I definitely think Wolfsburg will feel like they can exploit Arsenal's defence because I think there is a lot there to get at, uh, especially down the sides. Um, and I feel like, you know, something that I even felt like I was looking at in the Brighton matches, like Arsenal still just have this tendency like to not necessarily be great dealing with second balls like that's come in between their defence and their midfield. And it's something that Birmingham like exploited against them when they won. And there were points where like Brighton were able to get into kind of sort of dangerous positions. Um, so I think that will be kind of key, whether they can like tighten that up. Because as I say, like Wolfsburg are really good at, this is what we saw in the Chelsea, the second leg of the Chelsea game is um, kind of like rotating players like in and across the pitch to make use of those central areas. Um, so I think that might be like a key matchup. Yeah, I agree on that. Um in terms of Wolfsburg trying to I think they can exploit down the wings. I think obviously Katie McCabe is slightly better than Steph Catley, I think just because of the feistiness. But if Steph Catley does play it and Noel Maritz on the other side, I think there are two fullbacks. They are very, very good fullbacks, but I think they are two fullbacks that can easily be got out by a really good player. And you do have quality in Wolfsburg to be able to do that. So it's going to be interesting to see how the defensive shape and the quality of, of, of Arsenal's defense right now holds up. Obviously, if Rafael is, is fit for that, I feel a bit better in terms of her being able to sweep up whatever it gets past the fullbacks. But Abdullah, how do you think a two-legged quarterfinal will impact this clash? I think I think it's I think it's probably important because we've seen Wolfsburg actually do pretty well over two legs in the last couple of you know, last couple of seasons. I mean, when though they got knocked out by Chelsea last year, but they could have very well have gone through with the chances that they had. And I feel like generally for most teams, it's an opportunity to kind of, I'm not saying make mistakes, but you can, you can make a mistake and get away with something in the first leg. And then you can always make adjustments and come, you have the chance to come back in, in, in a second leg. You know, I think Wolfsburg, you know, I think they've been, they've been good. They've been unlucky at times, but I think they, they thrive over those two legs. And, but I think for Arsenal equally as well, I think for them, it'll also be an opportunity to, to be able to, if they do go behind, they can come back and make those adjustments. And that was something that Emma Hayes did really, really well last season. If we can go back to the Chelsea, like every time, the amount of times we said, 
Chelsea didn't play too well in the first leg. Suddenly in the second leg, a week, two weeks later, they, they, they just make this massive comeback, you know? So for me, it does make a huge difference because one-offs, anybody can win a one-off game. It's, 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 a, it's a coin toss at times, especially in a knockout competition. But when it comes to two legs, I mean, it's, it's, the, it's the stronger team tactically over two legs prevailed. So I think it makes the arguably one of the closest matchups in the quarterfinals even more closer because if it ends up being a nil-nil or one-one, you go into the second leg, you know, thinking it's anybody's game at that point. I think these two matches will be won and lost for both sides. Yeah, I definitely think, you know, kind of Wolfsburg's ability with their fast players like on the wing could um, be a real threat for Arsenal. I think that will be, you know, what they'll be looking to do. You know, we saw even how much um, Arsenal struggled against uh, Ulebrand and Hoffenheim. And, you know, Tabia Vasmuth obviously was at Hoffenheim for years and years and years. And she does still have really have that like element to her play. I actually think that's why she's been so fun at Wolfsburg because I think, you know, over time, maybe in the post harder season, it felt like Wolfsburg had like become a bit stodgy and she's kind of brought that like energy um, to them. And I think often... Arsenal like can look a bit surprised um, by that, which I've always like found a bit odd because it's not like that you think those players would wouldn't like would be quite static. But sometimes I think Arsenal's defense can feel a bit like that. Um, I'd say like Leah Williamson's probably the exception to that. But hey, um, I think looking at Arsenal going up against Wolfsburg, it's you know it's a tricky one. I think Wolfsburg have like a kind of mental fragility that that we've seen I think even you know even though beating they beat Chelsea 4-0 in the kind of 3-3 game they were 3-1 up and they let Chelsea come back in as we talked about last year in the um quarterfinals they were like by far the better team and they like contrived to lose and I think what will be interesting is I think Arsenal have a similar problem um, as well and I like I, I just can't figure out how it's going to go but I think whichever team could have gets the upper hand could like look really crush the other like I could see this like going quite heavily one way but I'm not sure which way it could go just because I think both teams have a bit of a habit of um, getting a bit startled and like letting things you know like get away from them like surprisingly quickly um, so like this is why I just think it's going to be such such an interesting game. Um, I do think, I feel like generally overall, I think Arsenal are the better team, like taking everything into account, um, especially now they've got Black Stenius up front. Like I, I think she's just added so much to, to what Arsenal, Arsenal can do. And I think... It gets she gives Arsenal more of an edge. Not that like Viv's not, but she like Viv's not like she she does have that like sometimes you know you feel like maybe you can like bully her or isolate her. And I don't think Blackstenius comes across in that way. And I think you know that will be maybe something that gives Arsenal like the advantage. I definitely agree with that. I think when with all the players fit, I do think that Arsenal are the overall better team. And I, I've been avoiding saying that just because I don't want to jinx anything. But I do think that Arsenal are, at the moment, the better team. But Wolfsburg are still a top side. And I think Wolfsburg, on a good day, can pull off... You know, we've talked about Barcelona having those different levels. And I think Wolfsburg are a team that can pull off another level on top of Arsenal. Um, so it's going to be interesting. But Abdullah, you know, Jesse mentioned it there about... Viv and Blackstenius, Vivstenius. How do you think that Bayern, uh, not Bayern, Wolfsburg are going to hold up against them? 
Yeah. <laughs> I think it's um it's a tough one. I think while Wolfsburg have a have have a have a good defense, but we've seen most teams, at least in the WSL so far, and and and, and though I know Chelsea did end up getting a clean sheet, but it was a struggle to get that clean sheet at times. And um that 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 Vistenius has I think become one of the better um duos in, in, in World Football. I think it arguably rivals um it rivals the the Katoto Diani pairing, if you wanna if you wanna call it that. Like that's it's it's on that level of like fear and and and, and the amount of goals that they're able to score and, and the fear that they're able to bring in. I think for me that's they're they're pretty much up there in that sense. And I, I wouldn't want to face them. I think I think it'll be tough. They, Wolfsburg will really have to be on their game defensively. I think this is where Lena Oberdorf becomes the biggest key player for them in the entire two legs because she has to mark Miedema in that 10 role. If she can mark out Miedema in a man-marking way, then Wolfsburg have a very good chance of doing something on the other end because we've seen it. Um, and then obviously Dom, someone like Dominic Jansen has to take care of, uh, has to take care of Blackstenius. But yeah, I think the most important thing is block off the supply to and from Miedema and that has to come down to Lena Obudov. So I think that's where the key battle is going to be. And, and if they can stop that, then, then, then fine, they have a chance. Otherwise I think it's very, very difficult. I am so excited to see Lena Oberdorf go up against Viv Miedema. I am I'm so excited to see that in person on top of that. Like, I'm just going to, wow. Like, when when Chelsea played Wolfsburg at Kings Meadow, Lena Oberdorf impressed me so much that match. The way, the thing about Lena Oberdorf is that she's not like, Ten minutes and just focus on Lena Oberdorf, and it's honestly the most like not the most, but like it is such a fascinating thing to watch. Um, and she's she's really impressive. I do agree that she's arguably going to be one of the most important players for Wolfsburg in, in terms of kind of keeping up with Arsenal's attack and being able to then distribute and go to their attacking players who will be the difference in this game. Um, so I am I am really really. Really excited to see Lena Oberdorf in this. Um, but moving on to the last clash of the quarterfinals, Lyon versus Juventus, Abdullah's finally. I feel like we never talk about Abdullah's teams. Like I know you're a Chelsea fan, Abdullah, but obviously I, I think Jesse gets the crown for biggest Chelsea fan on the podcast. I'll give it um, <laughs> And Leon are just Leon. Um, but Leon are not invincible anymore, I have to say. I keep saying it because I just find it amazing. Um, lost to Bayern in the group stages. And Juventus have proved themselves against Chelsea and Wolfsburg. Juventus threw 0-0 with Chelsea and lost narrowly 2-1 in Italy uh, with that really, really, really nice goal. Um, they beat Wolfsburg 2-0 and drew 2-2 in the other match against Wolfsburg. So, you know, really, <laughs> I, I think I would say surprising results in the group stages. I don't think any of us predicted them to be so, you know, they beat Wolfsburg 2-0, which was, which was quite good. And obviously drew 0-0 with Chelsea and ran them quite close, even though they lost. But uh, Jesse, last year, Juventus ran Lyon close. Like, they, they played a match and it was kind of nail-biting for all Lyon fans. Um, what do you think is going to happen now? 
Yeah, I think you Juve are definitely a, a team who feel very, very hard to beat. Um, definitely watching them against Chelsea, that like felt like the overriding thing. Like they give feels like they give like very little space up. You know, even if you're like on top of the game, they're very good at like crowding you out. Um so I think it's going to be interesting because, you know, I know Leon have had kind of like some of their wobbly moments recently. And, you know, like, I don't know what Abdullah, like maybe things about that, but like, especially going forward, it hasn't really felt like everything's been, you know, flying into the back of the net in the way that you might have expected with Hegerberg coming back. Um, that being said, like they're, they're clearly like a crazy, like good quality team. Um, I, I think I would probably give Leon the edge overall, even though I think Juve are like very, very talented. Um, just because I think Leon still have an aura around them, you know, even if it's not quite what it was. Um, but yeah, I, I think it will be interesting. I, I think Leon will be made to work. Definitely. I don't think this is going to be like any kind of pushover match. And Leon will know that, right, from, from those games before, um, because it did come as a surprise. And I mean, maybe the only thing going against Juve is they don't really have that same kind of surprise factor that potentially they had when they last met in the Champions League, where I don't think anyone expected it to, to get as close as it as it did. Whereas, you know, now kind of everyone's had like a really good look at Juve. Um, but I think it I think it still could be interesting. You know, I think Juve kind of definitely in the Wolfsburg and Chelsea games it felt like they really relished being the underdog in this group you know I think they were the team everyone thought would go out not Chelsea and I think they really kind of thrived off having that like lack of expectation about them and you know who knows maybe maybe they can do the same here and Abdullah looking at Lyon you know I know you like to talk well about Lyon but looking at their weaknesses where do you think Juventus can potentially get an advantage yeah, no, I mean, uh, all things aside, if I'm, a, I'm, a, I analyze games first, then I support my team, so I, I, I can be unbiased in, in certain situations. And I was just and I could say the same. <laughs> <laughs> I was about to say, I was like, oh, I'm definitely the other way around. <laughs> I, I try to be, I try to be. It's probably the only time I ever get to talk about my own team, seeing as I don't have anybody else in the WSL, and I'm happy to give Jesse the, uh, the, the Chelsea crown, and I'll just follow. Um, so it's probably my only time. And probably the only real team that in the Champions League that can actually go and go and win it. Um, no, I think I think I think weaknesses. I think there is maybe a little frailty at the back, just a little bit. You know, there are there are times where you can get at them, and and there are opportunities to score, especially because the, the injuries have played a huge part. You know, you you talked about you know uh, you know the, the goals not flying in at one end, but I think defensively as well. Their key players have been constantly injured this season, and that's been one of their biggest problems. We've had times where Amandine Henri's had to step in at centre-back, and then Alice Sombath, who's, yes, I know she's a centre-back, but she's one of the academy players just coming in, playing her first few minutes. And, you know, it's it's not easy for someone like that to step in into, you know, even if they get against a Rem or, or whoever it is that they're going to be playing against. Um so it's tough. And I think, you know, having to play players out of position, um, not having Christiana Endler, who's 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 out with an in long, you know, long injury. I mean, yes, you have Sarah Buhadi, but you know, that she does also have her weaknesses as well. And, and Endler is much more uh, you know, better of a shot stopper there as well. So I think the season has been riddled with injuries, which has kind of halted their momentum, which I think hasn't helped settle on a on a settled 11 that they can play consistently for for a time um 
but it honestly depends on who, on who's playing on the day because obviously now good news is that Sarah Bjork Gunnarsdottir is back from having given birth and her child's born obviously congratulations to her so she's back in the squad and she's trained so that's a boost um obviously returning players and Marajan and whatever but I think I think just there's a little bit defensively that 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 Juve could get at, and with the front that Juve have, it's going to be a tough ask. So I think someone like Wendy Renard has to be on our game, and and Gurijan Bok and and Kadisha Buchanan, whoever partners are there, has to be top of their game to be able to uh, to be able to, to to stop them, and and even even at the fullback side. Let's hope that Wendy Renard doesn't get away with more penalties. Um, <laughs> that's all I'm going to say, uh, Jesse. Looking at kind of the other way around, what do you think are Juventus's weaknesses and where Leon's quality can thrive off of? I don't think they have, it doesn't feel like they necessarily have obvious tactical weaknesses so much as I do think there's like a quality gap. And I think that's what we saw maybe in the Chelsea games is that kind of for all of Juventus's hard work at points. Um, there were just moments where good players like just like went to the next level. You know, you kind of saw that with harder scoring and and definitely, you know, I think Juventus have shown they can kind of soak up pressure, but like I do think they're still susceptible ultimately to like very good players doing very good things as, as all, all football teams are. But I just think the risk that they will run is, it's a bit like we we've talked about in some of these games, is like the temptation that there will be to sit back, um, you know, might be too much whereas really I think they do need to kind of be on the front foot more it's interesting because obviously the the way the group stage worked out when they came to King's Meadow it made sense for them to play for a draw um, but that obviously won't make sense here but I actually thought they you know they felt a lot better in the game that they lost because they took those risks going forward um, and they looked a lot more dangerous when they were when they were able to put put the balls in so I think what they need to do is kind of have that bravery to get forward and to kind of trust in the quality of of themselves and their plan and not kind of get sucked into this idea that they've just got to sit back because I think the more you invite that pressure on the more you run the risk of ultimately these very good players just being able to find that space or you know yeah in the the game in in Italy where you just saw like they switch off for one moment and Aaron Cuthbert's able to like walk into the box and score um I think that that will be their their risk I think they just need to make sure like they do go for it because, you know, they they have the ability, like, as a whole, I think, to really put this Leon team under pressure. I agree. They have, they have nothing to lose, really. And, you know, I think they could definitely benefit off of kind of not having the pressure on them and kind of just being able to, to go out there and, you know, if they get a result, they're getting a result against Leon, and that's big. Uh, whereas Leon, I think, might have have had a shaky group stage. And on top of that, they did draw against uh, Saint-Étienne over the weekend, which isn't really something that you would expect. So it'll be interesting to see how Leon kind of go into this in terms of mentality uh, towards this match. But Abdullah, last question overall of this preview. Um, what do you think of Leon where they are now? You can kind of emphasize on how far you see them going in this competition. I think that um, it's tricky. I, I I want to see 
I want to see Leon against this top opposition because obviously last time when they played um, when they played Bayern, they won one game and then they lost the other game. And when they won that one game, it really looked like they were, you know, they were they were up there and they were they were looking to come good. And then they obviously lost the the next game after that. And obviously a couple of weeks ago, uh, towards the end of January, when they did play against PSG and the and the Coupe de France, they lost three nil. So obviously that was the last big game that they did lose. And since then they've won, they beat. Bordeaux 1-0, they beat Soyo 8-0, they beat Rem 2-0, and then they drew Saint-Étienne shockingly when, what's his, what's his name, PSG also drew at the same time. So it, it is one of those where I'm, I'm I'm intrigued to see, like, how do they do against this top side? Because I think that first game will tell us a lot about how they're going to perform in the rest of the in rest of their group stages. I think with the squad that they have, you know, adding in uh, Lindsay Horan in the, in, in the winter, just to add in that extra little bit of quality in midfield and depth, um, will help uh, and getting you know Damaris back will be extremely key obviously there's no Daniel Vanderdonk uh, who's, who's out with an injury as well they've got the players and they've got the manager to be able to go far but I'm worried that the injuries have taken a toll and it's halted momentum too much that they, they may not be able to string it together whereas Juve I think have had more of their settled team in, in there than, than Leon. but I think I will be able to probably give more a more definitive answer either after the first leg or, or, or probably, probably after the first leg, because we don't know whether they win or lose the whole two ties. So yeah, I'm, I'm hoping, I'm hoping and I really want them to go through and, and, and get to the, the semifinal. Cause I think that'll be, um, I think I think that would be their minimum target at, at at the heart of hearts. They will never admit it, but I think their minimum target is to reach the semifinal, and then from there it's all right. If we can make the final, fantastic. If we can't, then all right, we we at least reached our objective of getting to a European semifinal. So yeah, that's probably my take on this on them right now. If Leon get knocked out, they need to are forced to support my teams. That's that's just inevitable at this point. I would literally rather never watch a football match again than support Barcelona. <laughs> I I will support Mariona. Just gonna put that out. Okay, that, I guess that's fair. We'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Um, but we will end the episode on some quick predictions. Who will be the last four teams that will be standing after the quarterfinals? I'll go first, um, just so people don't remember who I said. I would say I think Barcelona. Really sticking your neck out on that one, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) That was that was a tough one. That was a really tough one. I would say Bayern Munich, Lyon, and Arsenal. (laughs) Oh, I don't know. I I think you can. You know who to blame, Gunners, if it all goes horribly wrong. I think Vistinias can pull through. Um, that's what I'm saying. Jesse, what do you think? Uh, I will go Barcelona. I think PSG will um, beat Bayern. Uh, I think Arsenal will beat Wolfsburg. Uh, wish they better because I'm supporting them now. So I'll be pissed if they don't. Um, and I'm going to go rogue. I'm going to throw it out there. Juve to beat Lyon. Read it here first, folks. Why are you going after me like this? Abdul, Abdullah is just like, why? Why, why are you going after me Jesse? like this? <laughs> What am I doing? We need at least one team from Chelsea's group to make the semi-finals to like justify us being rubbish. So, and I don't think it's Wolfsburg. (laughs) Well, I just said I'm supporting Arsenal, isn't it? So, it's it's just the way it's got to be. I'm afraid. (laughs) All right, all right. Um, Barcelona, big shock. 
we're going in with Boston as the first one. I, I do think PSG will, will just about outdo Bayern, so I'll take PSG for, for that one. I'm going to go Wolfsburg. I'm going to say Lena Obadov is the key player, and she just does exactly what we've said in this podcast, and she's the key player. And I... I I think I'm gonna I'm gonna pull through for for some Wolfsburg. I'm gonna give them some love in this in this podcast and say they're gonna do it. And then there's no other answer. It's Leon all the way for me. I, I'm not. I'm, I I wouldn't care if they're fate, if they were the worst team in the league. I would just still say Leon's gonna win it. So what happened um, to anal- analyze first and then I'm allowed the sometimes. That's all gone out the window. No, I, I analyze their game. If we're talking about predictions, it could be anything, right? So I can say anything. He's I got nothing to analyze. To be fair. yeah, exactly. It's, I've I've done. The analysis, right? And now I'm just giving you my prediction. I think Leon will win. You should so, watch yeah. out though, uh, Abdullah, because the only time I've been confident about Chelsea, like ever, was that I was convinced that we would like walk those last two games. So now I would never back Chelsea in a prediction ever again. Oh. I literally remember walking into King Zeno, like for the UV game, being like, we're definitely going to smash them tonight. So. You know, be careful. To be fair, I'm not. I'm not saying that they're definitely going to. I obviously we just analyzed them. I think Juve. Oh, he's rowing back on it now. I'm not going. I'm saying Leon. I'm saying Leon all the way. I'm. I'm still going through for Leo. I'm still going through for Leon all the way. (laughs) I'm just saying I'm not underestimating Juve. Just putting that out there. Mm, We'll see about that. Lena her take hat trick somehow. (laughs) We'll see. We'll see what happens. Um, but we will be back uh we don't know whether it's going to be in between uh away and home leg obviously Jesse and I are going out to Barcelona um Abdullah is going to be I mean Abdullah's still in really good weather so that's uh, it's us. getting warmer. It is actually weather in Dubai. Well, I don't live in Dubai. It's 24 degrees right now, but tomorrow morning, line, but tomorrow morning it's gonna go up to 35. It was a solid 11 degrees today in, in Maidstone. So and everyone was excited because <laughs> the sun came out. <laughs> But well, I guess, yeah, we'll include that in the podcast. We're including all of this. We'll yeah. leave it at that for now. <laughs> and we'll be back for more WSL Women's Champions League eventually because it's the FA Cup this weekend in England. So there's no WSL matches until in between the first leg and second leg of the Champions League. So we'll be back next week or in two weeks and see you soon, everyone. Bye-bye. See you later.